it up, Lord willing. We've been in it for about three Wednesday nights now. We we looked at just the just the superscription, just kind of the title of it the first week, and got a little bit of background about the sons of Korah. We're going to be reading some more of these psalms that are uh, attributed to the sons of Korah, at least in some way. And we've just kind of been breaking down three or four of these verses uh, every week, just kind of working our way through Psalm 84. And uh, Lord willing, tonight we are going to conclude. We will start in verse 9. We'll start in verse 9, and we'll read the rest of the of the psalm. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And I pray tonight that we would long for you just as the psalmist does in this psalm, dear Lord that we would yearn for you more than we yearn for the things of this world, dear Lord. And maybe, if we're honest tonight, there are things in this world that, that we have been seeking more than we seek you, things in this world that we love more than we love you, dear Lord. We, we may not even want to admit such things because we know just how bad that is, but the truth is maybe that's that's the case for some of us tonight. And if it is, then then help us to overcome that. And if it's not, dear Lord, then help us not to ever get to that place in our life, but help us to trust you and find joy and happiness in you tonight, dear Lord, because we certainly need it in our world and in our lives tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kind of the theme that we have seen really to sum up this psalm is this idea of yearning to be in the presence of the Lord, realizing that there is no better place for us to be. Now, we don't know exactly who wrote this psalm. Uh, It in the title, as we talked about in the superscription, it says a psalm of the sons of Korah. Now, perhaps it was some of the sons of Korah that have written this. Perhaps they had something to do with music that went along with this, as many of these psalms would have been sung. Uh, some have attributed this psalm to David. Perhaps David penned this. It's hard to know, and it doesn't really matter who penned the psalm. That's not of too much significance, because regardless of who wrote these words, we can see that these words are true and that they are good for you and I and probably reflect some of our own feelings and our own desires. Uh, Perhaps there are times that we say, I don't know what to pray. Well, maybe a good thing for us to do in those times is to read the Psalms because there's some beautiful language, some beautiful language of prayer and of praise. And, And what better way to pray to God than to let God's own word speak through us, to, to let God's word speak to our heart and say, yeah, God, that's what I'm trying to say. I can't, I don't know what to say, dear Lord, but this is it. How many times do we read the Psalms or read God's word and we say, yeah, that's how I feel. And so uh, perhaps we can relate to this idea of longing for God tonight as the psalmist did. Verse nine, consider our shield, God, look on the face of your anointed one. Now, this is important. Who is the psalmist speaking of as his shield? It is God. And God needs to be the shield in our life because we are constantly under attack. We are under attack from sin. We are under attack from stress and worry and depression and people that don't like us, that give us a hard time. We're under attack because our jobs, we get miserable at them. And there's just all kind of things that are always kind of coming at us at every angle. And so we need something to protect us from that. It's not that those things are ever going to quit coming at us, but God is our shield. When we put our faith and trust in God, 
God shields us from those things. He protects us from those things. He helps us to get through those things when we are under attack. And so the psalmist acknowledges here, look, consider our shield. Now, maybe on days that we feel like we are under attack and we say, how am I going to make it? Well, perhaps on those days we need to be reminded of these words. Hey, consider who your shield is. Your shield is God. And what can penetrate can penetrate to God and, and destroy you? There is nothing. That's not to say that life won't be difficult, but ultimately our shield protects us in those most difficult times. Look on the face of your anointed one. Now, uh, perhaps this is speaking of Jesus. The, the Hebrew word that's used here for anointed is uh, Mashiach, which is where Messiah comes from. That's where the word Messiah comes from. This could be speaking of Jesus in some way. If David wrote this psalm, it could just be a word speaking about David. Whoever it may be, the idea is that God, that you would look upon us, perhaps look upon us with favor, look upon us with mercy, look upon us with grace and glory as we see as we continue on in the psalm. But this idea that God would would acknowledge us and that he would look upon us in the midst of our difficulties and our hard times, that God has not abandoned you. I'll repeat that. God has not abandoned you. And there are times that we may feel like God has abandoned us. There are times that we say, God, why is this happening? Are you there? But we need to remember God has not abandoned us, and we need to pray, God, look upon me with favor. God, look look, look upon my face. God, let me know that you are my shield, that you are my comforter, that you are my strength. Verse 10, better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Think about that. This, this idea that we've seen in the psalm of being in the presence of the Lord, being in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the Lord. That is a great place to be. That is the place that we long to be. And we long to be there because we get a glimpse of that. When we seek God and pray God and read God's word and we feel God working in us and the Holy Spirit in our life, Man, that's a good feeling when we are walking in obedience with God and feel the peace and the joy of God. That's a good place to be. And we only get that in a glimpse, in a smidgen in this world. And so we long for the day that we see the glory of God and we are with God in his courts, in his presence all the time. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Now, you can think about the best place that you ever have been in this world, the best place that you could be. Maybe it's a physical location, maybe simply the answer to that question would be, the best place for me is wherever my kids and my grandkids are. If I'm with them, that is the place I want to be. Wherever my husband or my wife is, if I'm with them, that is the place that I want to be. Maybe that's our answer to that question. That's a good answer. Maybe we think about, okay, where's a place that we would like to go that we long to be? We just came back from the Great Smoky Mountains. Many of you, if not all, have been up there, and you know that it's beautiful and it's great, and every day we we were in this cabin up on the side of the mountain, and we would sit on the porch every morning with the, with the fire lit, drinking coffee, watching the sunrise, and I could sit there every day, I think. I could probably sit there for a thousand days. I could sit there day after day, and I don't think that I would get tired of it. But even the best place that we can think of that we would love to be in this world, it pales in comparison to being in the courts of the Lord. And that's what the psalmist says here. God, it would be better to be in your presence for one day than it would be 
to be anywhere else for a thousand days. Let's continue on in verse 10. I would rather be at the door of the house of my God than to live in the tents of the wicked. Not even, if I don't even get in, if I can't even get into the presence of God's house, if I can't even get into the courts of God, I'd rather sit at the door like a servant. I'd rather sit at the door like a, like a beggar. I would rather sit outside of the presence of God than to live in the shelter of the wicked. That's what he's saying here. And sometimes the, the shelter and the things of the wicked look very appealing. But we need to long for God in the same way that the psalmist does. Even if I can just get, just get close, if I can just be right outside of your door, if I, can, if I can be near the presence of God, it will be better than anywhere else that I can be. Verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Isn't that beautiful language of God that he's a sun? He's the one that lights our path that he is our shield, as we've already talked about. God lights our path. He leads us on our journey. He shows us where to go, and he shields us as we walk on that journey. The Lord gives grace and glory. Praise the Lord. Isn't that phenomenal? Is that not what we need? Is grace as we continue to fail repeatedly in sin and we continue to struggle with our sins and our attitudes and the way we are and the things that we think and we struggle and we struggle and God says, I love you and I'm with you. Just seek me and I'm going to help you and I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to give you grace and I'm going to give you glory and I'm going to be with you through it all. What a beautiful reminder that is in those words. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. That's what God calls us to, is to be men and women of integrity, that we do the right thing, that we do the right thing in public, that we do the right thing in private. That's what integrity is, is to do the right thing even when nobody is looking, and that's what God calls us to. And what does it say? He does not withhold the good from them. Now, we need to define what good is, because sometimes what our definition of good is is not the same as what God's definition of good is. You see, we determine in our mind that if this happened to me, if I had this, if this happened to this other person, that would be good. And therefore, if God says he's going to do what is good for me, and I have determined that this is good, then why is God not doing it? Well, the simple answer to that is, is that perhaps God's definition is of what is good for you is not the same as yours. For us, the definition of good would be if we never had to struggle, if we never had a hard time, if we were always made well from our sickness. To us, that would be good. But yet, perhaps God sees good in those things that we don't see good in. Perhaps the struggles in life that are the greatest for us, we say that's not good, but perhaps it's in those struggles that we search for and seek God the most. And we draw closer to God, and is that not good? When we draw closer to God and we trust Him and we seek Him, that is good. But sometimes to get that good that we need to walk with God in the way that He wants us to, we have to go, what, go through what we would consider as bad. But yet God would say, no, this is good for you. And so we need to realize that sometimes what we think is good may not be what God considers good. And in fact, some of the things that we consider to be bad may very well be the goodness of God working in our lives or the lives of those around us. God is the master of taking things that, so far as we can see, are as bad as they can possibly be, 
and yet somehow God can bring good. He can bring good to us in our sufferings or those that we know that are in suffering. Whatever it may be, God is a master of taking what we would think is bad and doing and using it for good. And so we need to be remind, reminded here, God does not withhold good from those who are his and who walk in integrity, but we need to realize that sometimes what we think is good may not be what God says is good. But we can bank on this fact, that God will do what is good for us. And even when we don't understand it, we need to say, God, I don't understand what's going on. God, this looks bad, but God, I know you are good, and I know you, you look out for the good of those who love you and who walk in integrity and according to your way. So God, let me trust you. That's a hard prayer to pray sometimes because sometimes what is before us is so bad that we just can't, we don't even want to fathom it. But God is good to us and we need to remember that God is good in those times. Last verse, verse 12. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of hosts. Here we see this idea that we saw in verse four where it said, happy are those who reside in your house. That is, those who seek the presence of God and who live in the presence of God, those are happy people. When we are not seeking God and living in his presence and in his will, then we're not going to find happiness in our life. And here a similar idea is echoed here in this last verse. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of hosts. That's a good question for us to ask ourselves tonight and to answer. Do we trust God? Now, the interesting thing about trust is that the only way that it can be determined if you really trust somebody or not is for that to be tested. The only way that it can be determined if we really trust God is for us to go through the trials and the temptations and the tests. Perhaps you have read the story of Job, and he was a godly man who was a man of integrity, the Scripture tells us, just like we are talking about. And yet it was proven that he was a man of integrity. It was proven that he was a man who loved God and, 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 and was faithful to him. Yes, he had sin in his life, even in the book. But ultimately, he was a godly man. And how do we know that? Because he didn't just say, I trust God. He didn't just say, I'm a godly man. He withstood the test. He stood firm and he trusted in God through the midst of some of the greatest suffering that we see in all of Scripture. And so we are reminded here, happy is the person who trusts in God. Do we trust in God today? Maybe, maybe there are times that we think we trust in God only to realize that when hard times come, maybe we don't trust in God as much as we should. And maybe it's through some of those hard times that God builds our trust in him. So let us be those tonight that are reminded that God is the sun of our life. He lights our path. That God is the shield who is with us to comfort and protect us in our times of trouble. That God desires to give good to us. And sometimes what God says is good doesn't seem good to us, but it is good in the eyes of God. So let us trust God in all that he does. God has proved to us that he loves us by sending Jesus to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven. Let us show God and prove to God that we trust in him and we love him by being obedient to his words. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words. And, and I thank you for giving us encouragement through, through these things, dear Lord. I pray that we would be those who long for your presence. God, that we would, we would seek to, to spend one moment with you more than we would desire to spend a lifetime with all the, the things of this world, as good as they may be, dear Lord. They pale in comparison to you. Dear Lord, we thank you that you always have our good in mind, dear Lord. Help us to trust you, 
even when the things that we see around us don't appear to be good to us at all, dear Lord. Let us trust in you to know that you are the one who is in control, that you know what is good, that you know what we need. Dear Lord, we think we know what we need, but dear Lord, you do know what we need. So let us not trust in our own understanding or lack of understanding, but let us trust in you and in you alone. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.